Hello and welcome to the Tightwad Teacher Podcast, brought to you by Element Opie Productions. ElementOpie.com. And now, here are your hosts, Christy Vincent and Brian Brueger. Welcome to the Tightwad Teacher, episode 41, Engagement Without Diamonds for April 17th, 2012. I am your host, Christy Vincent. Tonight, we are joined by the great, amazing, wonderful Brian Brueger and the always fabulous Mark Cockrell. Our special guest this week is Jerry Davis. And this week, we're talking all about engagements. So this week, I am happily married with a very nice engagement ring, if I do say so myself. I think that may be why we got married. And some very lucky people in Maryland can apparently buy a very large engagement ring if they so need. So the great lottery frenzy that had America in, in such an uproar last week, the people, the winning ticket out of law, uh, Maryland finally came forward. And this is near and dear to my heart because they're all employees of the public school system. Two are teachers and one are administrators. They decided to remain anonymous. So we don't know exactly who they are, but I thought that was cool. You know, I mean, we know that the teachers don't get paid a whole lot and without getting into my own personal views of the lottery, I say, if someone's got to win, <laughs> make it someone who's making a difference in someone's life. I just, I really hope that they get direction and, and make the most out of it. Why are you laughing at me, Brian? I am laughing because first I'd like to point out that the quality of a diamond on a girl's finger is a direct ratio of the size of a said finger. So any man who is not currently married should definitely consider the size of finger prior to asking that question. It will make or break you. That is awesome because I have very small petite fingers. So yep. I have a nice diamond, but it looks massive on my little tiny hand. Exactly. Well played. I would I would love to shake your husband's hand. Well played. Smart man. He did marry me after all. We know he's intelligent. In some walks of life, yes. <laughs> Moving on. Moving on. So I had a very long commute today. In addition to my regular commute, I went and met some amazing tech directors and, and we had a, some very long discussion about different things. All women. It was a fabulous audience. We had a great time. Went to amazing a little tech directors. Amazing. I like the sound of it. You didn't listen to all of it. Amazing tech directors. <laughs> they were all women. See, that's why they were amazing tech directors. And a little historic time. We had a great time. So back and forth, I caught up on some of our episodes just because I think it's important to to go back and, and, and listen and improve our, our own show. I still think that I miss John terribly. He had that amazing voice like you and, and Mark do that just really sounds good. I need to make my own pod pod of sorts because this room echoes way too much. I've also found out and still don't have a <laughs> mic, <clears throat> Mark. But aside from all that, I've noticed the last two or three shows, you keep bringing up our drinking game, Brian. Maybe you want to set the rules out and let's define this game before like AA comes and sabotages us. Just a suggestion. The rules of the, well, see, I think the drinking game for me comes from, I mean, first of all, I will have to admit that I don't drink alcohol. Oh, I don't never either. Really, yeah. I, I've never had a taste for it. And, but also, I do have, if you're watching the live stream, I do seem to always have a glass of lemon water. Um, 
in a nice fine Red Wings glass, I'll point out for you Texans who don't know what hockey's really about. Um You live in Florida. Yeah, I'm from <laughs> Michigan. Oh, okay. we we had ice there. <laughs> <laughs> Until Houston has a hockey team, Dallas will have the worst ice in the league. You know, also <laughs> that is has true. Them, right? So, um, the having the drink here always seems to remind me because there are certain phrases or whatever that come up all the time, and um, and so I think the the drinking game actually changes with each show based on what Christie's rant is. You know, when the show starts. You know, before the live stream is turned on, and Mark is smiling, so that tells me that I'm on to something. <laughs> I get no respect. I get no respect around here. I'm writing you so, out of the ship. I just have one question, Christy, if I may. How come Jerry didn't get any adjectives? I mean, I've because I haven't br- fully introduced her for all <laughs> okay. the amazingness she is. Because Brian got <laughs> lots of adjectives. I got Brian one adjectives, <laughs> and that Jerry was she was just Jerry. I mean, I, well, she's our special guest, and oh. I haven't fully introduced her. Oh, okay. You're written out of the <laughs> show. Speaking of exiting the hangout, because I didn't get any adjectives. <laughs> Great. Now you're turning my guest against me. Fabulous. Perhaps our drinking game today should be the word adjectives. <laughs> I think the original drinking game started with shut your face. No, it started with Pearson. <laughs> oh, was that it? Oh, Pearson, yes. That <laughs> yes. It all comes back to Pearson. Did I mention I work with a teacher whose name is actually, you know, something Pearson? And I'm like, that's really hard for me. You mind if I call you Mr. P? He's like, yeah, actually, I do. I'm tired. <laughs> <laughs> because this just isn't working. Nice. Okay. So I'm writing you both out of the show, and I'll take over from here, except Mark, you still <laughs> need to produce it, and, and Brian, I still need a co-host. So for now, you can stay. <laughs> So, thinking of our fabulous show in the new direction that apparently I'm taking it all by myself, how's your artwork coming there, Mr. Wonderful, Amazing, God-given, wonderful person on this earth, Cockerel? How's our new artwork coming? Now, see, now you're just reaching for adjectives. <laughs> I have so far to reach. Um, I, I think it's finished. Let me put it up on the stream for for the small handful of people who are watching give me just i was not expecting this question well good see there so for those of you that are that are not aware we have we are changing the name of our our fun little show here and we are moving from the tightwad teacher and mark explained that last episode or episode before last of, of why that direction change is coming and we're moving to edu matters and mark's putting all that up on the stream for you yeah, guys it's, we're it's really there excited now. Fabulous. So you'll see that change come along and and maybe if I'm really nice to Mark for once, he'll actually change the iTunes description and on the the website and all to where it actually has my name instead of John's. But well, I just thought know. I'd do all that in one shot. Why you know, why Hi. do the work twice? Beggars can't it, be choosers. If it means anything to you, Christy, it took a little while of begging. In fact, one night John and Mark and I got on the we're on one of these um, Skype things, you know, these newfangled Skype things. And Mark just started making the changes right there as John and I called him <laughs> out. <laughs> That's awesome. It was like having our own little, you know, spam or, you know, virus. We just said it and it changed. <laughs> it's like, yeah, a little, little web monkey behind the scenes there. Remember that site and they've taken it down and there was some big explanation that you you went to it exploded at TCA about six seven years ago, 
he went to the site and it was like a mirror and you could basically mirror any site and then you could do things to it like put worms through it and dog tracks all over it you remember that no i'm gonna have to find it that was the most fun (laughs) so it, it, it essentially took a snapshot of the site but it kept all the links and then you could totally play a, a joke on someone and it would look like worms were crawling all over it. That's what made me think of it that, you know, y'all would change it on the fly. But anyway, so back to my show notes. <laughs> so we're changing from the dialogue teacher to the edgy matters, which is fun and exciting. And, and we're really looking forward to that. And in this great journey of, of change, I'm a, I'm a kind of person where I'll do something and it's always easier to ask for forgiveness than permission. So last week I was ready to like in tightwad teacher, we were gonna have a funeral service and move on. And Mark stopped me and he explained that, you know, there were other things like artwork and stuff to do online and other people to ask. He's like, slow your roll. He didn't say that, but I could hear him saying that. Cause and I'm street like that. Yo. Word. So in, with doing all this, he had to do the new artwork. And this got us talking last episode about what are those iconic images for a 21st century classroom? And I'm glad to see that you've got that all finished and happy and, and all 21st century ready. But this is where Jerry comes in and she's fabulous and amazing and absolutely wonderful. And her voice just totally makes me happy. And her, her whole deal is digital native in the 21st century classroom. So if we'd asked you last week, Miss Davis, if we had said, what are those 21st century icons? What would you tell us to do for our artwork? Ooh, well, um, <clears throat> I think that that would probably, in uh, talking 21st century, I always think kids. So I think you would have kids engaged with each other along with the technology. I, I mean, that's just kind of where my thoughts go. Um, other icons, I, you would have maybe different types of technology, you know, kind of hate to go out there with <laughs> specific, let's see, y'all aren't iPad fans, right? <laughs> Are y'all Android people? Is, do I remember that correctly from dinner one night? <laughs> yeah, you found the Android group, but, but we're open all, and that was actually a discussion we had is what, what part of technology fits into that, and should we define something like the iPad or a tablet as a whole? But, I mean, really... The vast majority of the public and people see a tablet, they say iPad. It doesn't matter what kind of tablet. It's iPad. Right. And I don't think it's about the gadgets. I think it's about how you're using the technology. I mean, so I think you could probably, but that is where the focus goes is the iPad. I mean, that's just generally where people take it for some reason. Because Apple's had very good marketing and they were very smart with the way they did it. I'll I'll challenge the statement of just making it based on good marketing. I think they've got a great product. And they do have a great product. Yeah, and so I'm seeing it as the marketing is nice, but that doesn't really matter until the product is really good. Yeah, and but now that they've got a great product. Techie, then, there's other products just as good out there, but still everyone references the iPad. There are other things that play podcasts. There's other MP3 players, but everyone references the iPod. Yeah, but do you, eat, do you eat fruit-flavored gelatin or do you eat Jello? Exactly. Do, do you blow your nose with a tissue or with a Kleenex? They were first do in the market. you make copies or a Xerox, right? It's just the way it happened. Well said. 
so piggybacking on the the whether you want to say marketing or first to the market or or whatever i mean that that is kind of the point the the change has been made in the mindset of at least america that when you say tablet it is ipad so would you say jerry that when you're trying to be symbolic of the 21st century classroom that 21st century technology is an integral piece of that i would think i would say yes but I, I still say that the focus isn't shouldn't be on the gadgets themselves. The focus should be on how the kids are using those gadgets, how they're using the technology that they have. Um, it, it shouldn't be whether or not they have an iPad or a netbook or a laptop. It should be how they're using those tools. And if it's um, being used as um, a, a tool that they use as uh, quickly and as thoughtlessly as like maybe they use a pencil. I mean, they'll pick up a pencil and use it without thinking. They should be able, that should be the next step with technology. They use it without thinking, oh, I'll use my whatever gadget they have to um, solve the problem that they're working toward. Fabulous. So your blog is the digital native in the 21st century classroom. And when you talk about those those skills that, that they should be using it. You know, I think about people like Chris Lehman who has said, you know, technology should be like oxygen, totally out there, totally ubiquitous and, and totally invisible. What does, what does that mean for the, the teacher, K-12 especially? How do they use those in the classroom to where we're not having a lesson about PowerPoint, we're presenting our, our studies on science or I mean, you've been teaching, you taught for what, 14 years, 10 years? So how would right. you bring that into your classroom? What do you tell your teachers? Well, <clears throat> we do have to work with our, our teachers are not, I would say they're not 21st century learners. They're, they're not used to using the technology like kids are. And therefore we have to kind of change their thinking as well. We have to convince them that just because they have a, a, a whiteboard in their room and they're using that whiteboard to present a lesson that's not necessarily technology integration we have to i mean we have to ease them into that because i mean having those for the first time those whiteboards kind of you know freaked them out so now that they're comfortable with it we have to keep pushing them to move to the next level of integration so that they can keep up with our kids um and if they would let the kids the kids could encourage them and show them how to use that technology seamlessly and how to um, integrate that into their classrooms. So you said the teachers aren't 21st century learners. Is, is 21st century learners, is that synonymous with a digital native? Um, well, maybe I said that. I, I don't necessarily mean that. I guess um, they're, they're just our digital natives they're, they've not ever lived without technology. They they don't know a time when there hasn't been cell phones, when there have not been laptops um, with the pads. That, that's just not something, they don't know a society without those things. Our teachers do. Now, I will say that our new teachers that are coming into the practice, they're probably more comfortable with these items. But it's still, you have to change your um, ideas about how to teach and how to present lessons. And it's not necessarily now, it shouldn't always be the teacher on stage presenting. We do, I think, I believe we have to give some of that to the kids, some of that power to the kids. 
Oh, that's the toughest thing in the world. To convince people to give up power in their room of power, if you will. Because inside those four walls, the teacher is king or queen. And to release that, that is tough. I completely agree. It is hard. I mean, I know even as a teacher, it was hard to give up that 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 piece of control because I liked my classroom to be quiet and tidy and to have them work. But when I let them take stage, it wasn't quiet and it wasn't tidy. They did their own thing. <laughs> and you do have to kind of accept that they're different. So you have to let them have their way at some, I mean, you don't give it to them completely, I don't think, but you do have sure. to let them have some leeway and some control. I, I'm quiet listening to the sirens from someone's house. <laughs> I was just going to say, I think um, that's so fitting that the sirens come yeah. when we're talking that about was, giving the yeah. kids control. <laughs> that was awesome. <laughs> well, well played, audio guy. They're coming to take me away, hee hee. <laughs> Sorry, that was the EMT outside my door. <laughs> you understand that that uh, Jerry's from Eustace ISD, and my mother travels greatly and happened to go through this place late at night, and she calls me, and we're on the phone, and she says, I'm in you, you Stacy, you, you, <laughs> I said, you're in Eustace, Mama. Yeah, there's nothing here. How do you know where this place is? There's like one life. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's how I know where that place is. So, and you're you're yep. not in you're not you know for particularly in the classroom. That's not your job title anymore. I don't no, think you ever work. really leave the classroom. So you're a a TIS, a technology integration specialist. So this Correct. is what you do, right? You tell teachers it's okay. Give it give it to the kids. <clears throat> yes, I I work with teachers now. I. Um, spend time with them. I go into their classrooms, whatever they need help with. That is what I'm there to do is to help them integrate that technology into their classrooms. So is your goal to work yourself out of a job? Uh, what, Pretty what, much. I can't I remember. Mean, that who is what I was supposed to do. Thankfully, as quickly as technology changes and as fast as it advances, I'm hoping that I can stay one step ahead so that um, <laughs> They don't completely not need me anymore. <laughs> I don't remember who to attribute the quote to, but somebody once said, I, I look forward to the day when we stop calling it, calling it technology integration and just start calling it teaching. Exactly. Well. Um, we found out, I guess, last week that our job title is actually changing. We will no longer be technology integration specialists. We are now going to be information specialists. So, not sure. Um, I don't know that I like that. Whose decision is that? Who do we need to call? <laughs> Does that mean that a, a librarian is no more? Um, well, no, because I, I don't really exactly know how to explain it. Um, <laughs> it's funny because for two years we've been preaching it's not... We do have some gadget men in our district, and we keep trying to convince them, let's learn the gadgets we have. Let's not rush out and buy some new ones. And uh, so telling. we had principals, principals and uh, superintendent that went to a meeting in Austin, and they hear Alan November say it's not about the gadgets. And all of a sudden, we're no longer tech integration specialists because it's not about the gadgets. <laughs> so 
Anyway, we're moving in a new direction, I guess. They, they always have to hear it from somebody other than the people who are closest to them. Yeah, why, why listen to the people you paid to advise you, really? Because you can <laughs> never be a prophet in your own land. We should just all work for a district and then never show up there. We'll just send ourselves to each other's districts. How, how do you, you think go. the consulting industry has survived for so many years? <laughs> exactly. I will tell you what you should do, but then I won't help you do it. I will be over here telling somebody else what they should do. And I would like that job, please. Yeah. Peter Drucker said consultants have uh, credibility because they're not dumb enough to work for your company. That's right. (laughs) So any consulting people out there, Brian and I are available. We are happy to help you. I just think that always sounds so fascinating. They get to come in with all these grand ideas and then they leave before any of the work starts and they get paid good for it. I'm like, really? Seriously? You leave me all this work? That's just fabulous. And on that note, I'd like to send you over to my website where you can hire me for consulting services. And that can be found at... (laughs) Just just kidding. Shameless. You're shameless, Brian. Shameless. (laughs) Of course, isn't this the man who would know? I think that was John who was selling voodoo dolls or demon dolls or something a couple of episodes ago. Oh, he was selling (laughs) haunted dolls. Haunted dolls, that's it. Or student videos. Uh, Or macaroni and cheese that looks like Mother (laughs) Teresa. We miss you, John. Come back. Okay, we're like so we're sorry, Jerry. We get, get off task. Consulting jobs off of this. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, we're all poor. We're all in public education. We will work for food. It's not a problem. <laughs> so back back to our show, Jerry. I'm so sorry. We do get off a, a good deal, but that's okay. Back to our fabulous show. So these these digital natives that are used to it being taught by teachers who aren't necessarily used to it. I mean, this really creates kind of a culture clash for those who it's almost like the has and has not in a, in a different kind of digital divide. So how do you, I mean, what's the steps for, for scaffolding that and for bridging that gap? Well, <clears throat> I think it's going to, um, I think it's going to be more of a change of attitude. Um, the teachers are really going to have to kind of change their way of thinking. Um, our teachers are the ones that are actually going to have to bridge the gap. The kids have the technology and I don't see them giving it up anytime soon. So the teachers are really going to have to be the ones that take that step to bridge the gap. They're going to have to um, use the technology, be familiar with it, just so they can understand the kids and the kids can understand them. Um, As far as bridging that gap, I don't know that um, I don't think you can force it. I don't think, you know, you can force professional development and different um, types of technology, professional development. I don't think it can be done that way. I, but I'm not exactly for sure what the answer is. It's still something that I know even in our district that we are still trying to fill our way around. I mean, we have several teachers that really, in, they integrate that technology in their classrooms they enjoy it and they like to take the risks and they're willing to, if, you know, the technology doesn't work this day, then, well, that's okay. We'll try it again in 30 minutes. But then we have some that the minute something doesn't work, they're frustrated, they're done. 
and they consider their whole lesson gone. So they get rid of the technology. And so it, it's, I don't, I think it's like anything else. You have to practice. You keep using right. it. If it doesn't work today, you use it again tomorrow. And, and they've ran into that for years. The transparency bulb went out. The transparency machine wasn't working that day. The copier was out of toner. And they found their ways around that. I've never seen a classroom shut down because little Johnny's pencil broke the tip. Okay, well, let's go sharpen little Johnny's pencil. I've never, you know, never seen that scenario. But that did happen, just not in my lifetime. And well, Mark might be that old, but for the rest of us, when all that came out way back when, you know, there's all these quotes from from board members and, and teachers and principals in the, the turn of the century when, oh, the ballpoint pen was going to ruin education. Banks and businesses would never use them. The the slate was going to ruin education. How would you know, children never learn to use this writing utensil and, and pencils. Well, those were just going to be thrown away and we're going to have this wasteful world. So every new technology has had its, its stumbling blocks, you know, that fear. What are we going to do? And I think that's all that's happened now is that it's coming faster and we're getting more of it in a shorter period of time. And I think because it does, it changes so fast. I truly believe, though, that teachers... At heart, their goal is what's best for the kids, and most of them are going to step up, and they're going to learn the new technology. They're going to start incorporating it. Um, it may take some time, but I truly believe they're going to take the steps necessary to do what their their kids need. Well, how do we encourage them to to step out and actually try those new things and not to be discouraged by it? Are there any like little tips or tricks that you found to be successful? Well, one of the things that I, that I do is I'm, I'm there for them. I make it known that, oh, you're trying some new technology or you're doing this. Well, let me come in your classroom and um, I'll help out. If, you know, this computer doesn't work, I'll get this one working for this kid or um, we'll sit down and pre-plan lessons together and we practice with the technology beforehand. I'm real big on that. I, I do encourage them not to go cold with technology into their classrooms um, because Lo and behold, if they've never tried it before, once they get it up and running, something's going to happen and it's not going to work. Sure. So I, I do try and I, I just try and make myself available. Um, I also have, like I said, I have several teachers that are pretty far advanced. I ask them to be available as well. I'll say, well, you know, uh, I'll ask them to sit down with teachers who um, don't use it as much just as encouragement or to give ideas, different things like that. Sure. Yeah, I, I just find that difficult. Um, you know, the biggest thing, I, A, I remember what it was like to learn and begin the, the whole computing process. I still am, I guess, close enough to that or just make it a conscious effort to remember what the beginning felt like. But at the same time, for some for some reason, you know, as a tech, First of all, your teachers assume that A, everything always works for you, B, that you're never frustrated by anything, and C, you have some special magical power, which I, you know, prefer to view as just my looks. I give the computer a look, it knows I'm serious, and we do business. 
But um, truthfully, you know, we have none of those things. So I always struggle with how is it that we can, I don't know, in encourage or demonstrate the ability to say, we understand that something's going to go wrong. Let's just roll with it. And truthfully, when you walk into a room, chances are, you know, we're just as frustrated or we don't understand, you know, what the situation is, but we tend to calmly go through a, you know, a series of steps or something that ultimately leads and typically quickly to a resolution. But um, trying to get my teachers to do that without me, if I could figure that out, I would be rich on consulting businesses. Right. <laughs> um, and I think that's the hard part because we have the technology today, whereas before when you had overhead projectors, it was going to be pretty simple. Either the bulb went out or somebody unplugged it. Those are the reasons it's not going to work. Technology today, I think that our teachers are so afraid that they're going to hit the wrong button that it's going to cause it all to 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 collapse and not come back on or not do what they sure. needed to do, and so in a way, I, I just feel like it's with most things you just have to put your hands on it and you have to take the risk. Now, convincing them to do that when they're in the middle of a class with twenty four kids, yeah, it's pretty hard because what are you going to do with twenty four kids when the technology fails? But as teachers, we've always had Plan B and. You know, you may have to have plan C to go with it, but there has to be another, they, they just, they can't think that, okay, I'm going to use technology and that's all there is. To, so if the technology fails, then I can't teach my lesson. They still have to go beyond that to their plan B and their plan C. Sure. Um, so do you think that uh, we're just entering a world of infinite backup plans you know, uh, when Christy was waxing rhapsodic about the slate and the pencil there, you know, you could have a box of a hundred pencils and if one breaks, you throw it away and get another one. Uh, is there ever going to be a day when there's a box of a hundred tablets sitting in the table uh, in the classroom and, and when one fails, you just throw it away and get another one? Or are we just in this infinite cycle of plan B, plan C? Um. You know what? I, I, I can't say. I, I don't think technology is, is as unreliable as teachers feel that it is. I just I think that the pressure of it in a classroom with kids when it fails, it's hard to it, it's hard to know what to do next. Um, and I think that is true because they're just not quite comfortable with it. Um, now, as far as the steps to get them comfortable, I don't know what else you do besides giving them the technology and encouraging them to use it. Um, but it seems like in education, we've always had backup plans. I mean, that's not anything new as far as um, technology is concerned. I mean, you've, you've always had what happens when the electricity goes out. Yeah, you've got 30 kids, especially when you're in middle school that are, you know, oh, electricity's gone. Well, we're done for the day. You have to have some kind of backup plan. Nightstar in the chat room says uh, a, a phrase I've uttered myself is there's nothing you can do to it that I can't fix. And I always add to that. If you do, I'll get you another one. I would rather you break it using it than it sit in pristine condition unused. Amen, brother. Preach on. <laughs> <laughs> Um, 
and I have several teachers that when they'll start a lesson, if for some reason the technology goes wrong, they close it, they put it away, and, and they're really good about saying, you know what, we'll do this another day. I'll just do tomorrow's lessons today and we'll do something. But then you've got some teachers that they're not quite ready for that. They need their technology to work and they're unprepared when it does not. And really getting getting the teachers going on that is is often a a formula of baby steps. It's it's starting where they're comfortable. When we did our iPad, we, we were able to, to purchase a number of iPads. The first thing that, that my boss did was he gave them to the teachers and he said, use them. And there's a, a large listserv that many of us on here are part of. And there was a great discussion about, but what if they're using it for personal stuff? And he said, great, you know, get in where they're comfortable with it and it becomes a tool for them. Because once they're comfortable using it, then they will bring it to their you know, their classroom. And you did a blog post, um, I don't know, within the last couple of months, Jerry, about the three steps of true technology integration that came from the Texas Steps Up training. And I was a trainer for that. I actually did a number of trainings with Monica and it was it was a very good time. We we really enjoyed that. But I think that in in true fashion, they really brought to the forefront getting this same tool or this same website or whatever and moving from what I say, you know, baby step one to true total integration. And it starts with tier one, right? Which is right. productivity or efficiency or use of teacher. And, and what does that look like, Jerry? And um, that tier one, that is when a teacher is using the technology to make her job more efficient. Um, if she's using um, Word to create lesson plans or if she's using Gradebook, online Gradebooks, um, anything that she's using or he's using to make his job more efficient, that is you're looking at your tier one. It's strictly teacher production. And, and, and to go back to the, uh, the original uh, topic of the show, that's not, that's not engagement at all. That doesn't involve the student. Uh, uh, that's, that's maybe the, the plumbing of the house on which engagement will be built. That's, you're right. That, that is not engagement at all. But for teachers, we have to have a foundation. And when we get teachers comfortable with using the technology themselves and they're comfortable creating their lesson plans using whatever program they're comfortable with, when they're comfortable using online gradebook, then that starts a foundation where they're willing then to start branching out and including the students in their use and letting the students then take it to the next step where they're using it to produce their work as well. And that, that's tier two, right? Tier two involves, it's your teacher and your student. Your tier two is where teachers are using um, online activities, where students are engaging in online activities, but those activities are still kind of geared toward helping the teacher make her job more efficient, whether it's an online quiz or something to that nature, or if it's an online game that's going to give the teacher um, a, a grade or something like that. And then it's also student use where the students are using, um, whether they're using Google Docs or Word, they're using technology to produce to make their work more efficient. 
Okay, so like for tier one, you said a teacher would use Word to make lesson plans. So in tier two, if that was, you know, in a Google Doc that she shared with the class or made available to the class, and then the student completed some type of assignment that was turned in digitally, are we in tier two? Is that is that what that is? That is still tier two, yes. And the there, idea is um, to get, of course, to where? And the, I'm sorry, what? So the idea is to get, of course, to, to tier three. And what, what tier changes three. there? And your tier three, that's where they're talking about all of those um, 21st century skills that they want the students to have. And in tier three, it's where students are, students are choosing the technology that they use. They're collaborating, they're creating, they're producing, they're problem solving, um, they're sharing it with each other. They're actually taking control of their education, basically. They are using the technology to create and to share it, to collaborate. They're learning those 21st century skills that they are now telling us that our students need. And I mean, really, we we sum it up nicely into three cute little tiers and we just move from one to the other. But this could be a long process. This isn't I walk in your room and by the end of a one hour session, we have you at tier three. This is a total shift in the way you think about your very profession. Would you agree with that? Um, I would agree with that. Um, I spoke to primary teachers that in our district. Those are our pre-K through second grade teachers. We talked about this very thing at the beginning of the year. And of course, when you go through the three tiers of technology, I have these teachers that are, they're just, you can hear the oxygen being sucked out of the room because they're trying to think, how are my second graders going to collaborate and share? And, and so we really had to break it down in the fact that we have to start with the foundation. Kids aren't going to just walk in a room and say, oh, yeah, I'll use the technology. I'll use this top and I'm going to share it and collaborate it. And so we've had to it scares the teachers to think that the kids are going to come in and do that. And how are they going to help them when they don't know how to do it themselves? And so mm -hmm. we do have to start and, and to tell them that, well, look at this. You've already you've mastered tier one. You're in tier two. It, it does bring a sense of um, calm to them that they then can accomplish this, that they're building a foundation that these kids are going to grow into tier three. I have a question. Um, what you're describing sounds like a disparity between uh, student engagement and classroom management. And I think often teachers see it that way. In order to have engaged students, I have to have a rampant classroom. What, what is your professional uh, uh, advice to that? Um, I think that um, your classroom management, it's going to be reflected no matter what type of assignment your kids are doing. Um, yes, when you're integrating technology, that classroom is going to look a little different. But if they have their classroom management under control, then those kids know their classroom rules and they're going to still continue to follow those classroom rules. And so I don't think, I think the encouragement there would be that 
just because we're bringing in technology, it doesn't negate everything else they've worked for in their classroom. It doesn't mean it's going to be a free for all and the kids are going to be able to do whatever they want. And that the teachers will still have control of that classroom and that their classroom rules are still in effect and they can still be enforced. Right. And, and creating and collaborating and sharing and, and doing those 21st century skills that from ISTE down, from the, the nets of what we're expected to do as professional educators, all the way down to our, you know, our state requirements or expectations, they've changed to the point of saying, this is what we expect from you. And it's all under the big buzzword of 21st century learners and 21st century skills and whatnot. And those things aren't synonymous with chaos. They aren't even really synonymous with a loud classroom. Because if you're in a classroom that is fully entrenched, fully saturated with technology through BYOT or, or one-to-one or whatever it is that you have in your class, you could collaborate on a Google Doc where we're not all necessarily sharing one screen or maybe but we're But that would require place. allowing students to talk to each other, and we don't do that. <laughs> Who doesn't do that more? Teachers. Teachers don't allow students to talk to each other. You can't not pass a note. Teachers. You can't whisper. You can't talk to each other. And if you give them a digital tool, what are they going to do? They're going to talk to you. They might talk to somebody in another classroom. <gasps> Say it isn't so. Kind of like in the middle of the day when you have a problem and you put it on Twitter for all your friends all over the world to answer you back, right? Yeah, but we all know that's not what they're going to do. It's going to be cyberbullying. It's going to be off-task stuff. Uh, Nine-year-olds are going to be sexting each other. We we can't let them have these tools because they will use them incorrectly. My disclaimer is if this is your first episode, Mark is playing devil's advocate. Please do not send him hate mail. So, I mean, those those are the things Send him hate mail, please. (laughs) (laughs) Those are the things we hear from our teachers, and those are concerns maybe from parents or community members and even some teachers but we can't stop i mean those that's also what they said when we had paper instead of slates well they're gonna write ugly things on this paper and they're gonna pass them to each other how are we gonna stop that they're gonna write something ugly on their desk and then that pink thing on the other end is gonna erase it and i'm not gonna have any proof how are we gonna stop that and we've got through all of those we can get through these two It's just a matter of taking it step by step, of not throwing it all at the teachers like tech directors tend to do. It's letting us be the professionals we are and changing. And people like Jerry, I mean, she has a very difficult job. She has to walk a fine line between the tech director, who, by the way, is fabulous, and teachers who, you know, there's a lot of veteran teachers out there that they remember. Here's your drinking game, Brian. When Pearson didn't have total control of our classrooms, they remember when all we had were, you know, pen and paper or pencil and paper, and they worked with that. And they've been through projectors. They've been through the computer, the old apples coming in the classroom. And it's it's a tough job to bring them along for yet another ride. And I think that you have to kind of keep in mind, I don't think, oh, yeah, we're going to bring in our own devices. Kids are not going to be following the rules. They're going to be sexting they're going to be whatever i don't think that's true of the the majority of the kids i think the kids are actually engaged with the technology and the assignments that they're accomplishing and so at that point when you have the one or two that are off task it becomes a a classroom management issue just like if they're writing notes and passing them 
Well, yeah, I mean, it's a different, th but it still then becomes a classroom management issue. It's not necessarily that, oh, this one kid did it, so we're banning it all. Well, we had one kid write a note on a piece of paper and pass it to his friend, so no more paper in class. Sorry, figure out some other way to do it. Um, I don't think it's a, a problem with the whole population of kids. I think it's like anything else. You have one or two, and you have to learn how to manage that problem. Right, and if you're, if the technology, regardless of what that is, a pen, a pencil, a paper, whatever, if they're engaged, if you're you're doing your full classroom management the skills, the toolbox that you have at your disposal, and these kids are engaged, they're not going to be using those tools for that anyway because they're using it for the lesson. Yeah, I, I would like to to take a slight turn and ask about the professional development and how that changes in this type of an environment. I think it's one thing to say to, you know, our teachers that this is well, how we want to do it, but then how are we supporting their profession? You know, how are, how are we supporting the teachers with professional development in order to accomplish these goals? Or are we just saying that this is our goal? Best of luck to you. Um. I know that on the two campuses that I work, um, I'm very careful not to call it professional development because for some reason that just leaves a bad taste and you hear professional development and all of a sudden there's no interest. It's going to be long. It's going to be boring and I don't want to be there. Um, I make a point of uh, sitting down with a group of teachers, five or six at the most, either on their conferences. Um, at different times and I'll introduce something new or I'll ask them, you know, what they're interested in and, or I'll ask them to, you know, saw this new technology, look at it, we'll meet it this day and we'll, it's just, I try to make a point of doing small groups so that we're all sitting together. We're not in a big auditorium with the dreaded PowerPoint. <laughs> I mean, because professional development, those two words, unfortunately, they bring a bad taste to your mouth when you have to hear them. And so I'm, I have found that with technology, it works better when I'm with small groups. Um, on my pre-K through two campus, I have three teachers that are blogging, classroom blogging for the first time this year. And so two of them I'm working, the two of them are first grade teachers. So I sit down with those two together and um, we're creating, you know, we're just going through it. And then I have a kindergarten teacher and, because it's one-on-one, -on -one, they're not afraid to take the risk because it's just me. And so when they tell me they don't know how to do something, it, it's okay because they can say that to me because I'm the TIS and I'm supposed to know how to do it and I'm supposed to teach them. And so it does put them at ease when it's a smaller group. They're not afraid to talk to me and ask questions. Mm -hmm. I think and it's interesting that the the term professional development brings such a bad taste in their mouth and everything. But yet, then we look at our teachers and we say to them, you know, why is it when you do this, your students complain and say it's boring? But then the example that we give them and the only opportunity that we take to teach the teachers is a boring, dry, horrible example. So instead of leading through example, we say, we, I guess we lead through an anti-example. 
don't do what we're doing. And then we give it to him. <laughs> do as I say, not as I do. That's right. And I think it's an age-old question, and this is the question everybody's asking. How do we present our professional development so that teachers are engaged and that they're actively learning and that they're enjoying it as well? And it's still something we're trying to figure out. Absolutely. And, and I mean, that's where it is. We're all learners. We all have to be engaged. We all have to be interested. And it's, a, it's an art. It truly is an art to find that, that place. Teaching is an art. I will say that forever. It's not a science. Don't give me a script. Don't give me a prescription. Every set of kids that comes through is different. And everyone needs something a little different that I didn't offer last year. And we need to realize that that's true of our teachers, too. Every teacher is not the same. They're all going to learn a little different. And we have to, to bring that to them. And even if your own teachers don't say it enough, thank you for what you do, Jerry. Thank you for, for bringing that to them and allowing the teachers to have that chance to be learners again. Because I think that just doesn't happen enough for our teachers. Um, well, thank you. Um, I have to say I enjoy it. I really um, I enjoy the technology part of it. it, it I, when I was offered the position, I thought, well, you know, I'll try it because they told me if after a year, it's not what you thought, you can go back in the classroom. But I really enjoy it. And so I enjoy working with the teachers as well. Christy, I'd like it to make, make a request for a future show. I'd like you to line somebody up to teach us how to do, how to model engaged learning with teachers. Instead of bringing them all to the cafeteria at nine o'clock and sitting, telling them to sit there with their pencil and pens and listen to the speaker. I can, I can show you, Jerry can show, we can all show you. We've got this, Mark. You need all to come right. to our PD. No, I'm just saying we, we, we need to, we need to have somebody on the show. Uh, talk about that, you know, to, uh, I, I'm the quote man tonight, but Kevin Honeycutt says that, you know, people, uh, uh, when, when he goes to a school, somebody has been told to be there, show up, and they're going to have professional development done to them. Mm -hmm. I've heard him <laughs> say that. And I, I think next week we, we have someone like that coming. Jerry, you've done a wonderful job tonight. We most certainly have appreciated having you on. Thank you. Um, thank you for last inviting me. Yay, thank you. Even from little old Eustace, we, we much appreciate you keeping your hamster busy on your internet to get to get with us tonight. So last week I had, good. Last week I had to leave early unexpectedly. Everything's fine at the home front. And it was in the notes that Peggy George was gonna be on this week. And obviously Jerry is is not Peggy, two both phenomenal women in the world of education. But Peggy will be with us next week. And that's some of what she's offering is where to find professional development. That's not nine o'clock in the morning to come sit and have it done to you. So definitely stay tuned for, for next week's show for that. So we have to wrap up. I'm getting little notes from our producer, like a nagging person. So we're going to go ahead and wrap up my handy dandy tool. Um, I have a colleague who loves stickies. I love stickies under two conditions that they are either purple or have shoes on them, both of which are on my desk. But I do, I love stickies. So find a sticky and, and write yourself a note to be sure to join us every week for our show live stream if you can. If you're not one of these people who likes burning down trees and wasting it, you too can find Linoit, L-I-N-O dot E-T. Linoit is a fabulous site, a digital court board for all your stickies where you can change their color. Can be used in the classroom for brainstorming, much like a mind map. You can include other documents and images 
videos. It's a fabulous tool. If you have not experienced, you should. What do you have for our faithful visitors, Mr. Berger? I have something that is um, far more technical and um, will engage your brain for hours and hours. Um, Those people who deal with with Macs and the Mac admin community um, may have heard about the Penn State Mac admin um, conference. And I think that any teacher or, you know, techie or anything like that that actually deals or, you know, happens to have Macs might actually find something useful from this conference. So you could spend lots of money and you could go there and, um, and, and, you know, get wealth of information and sit at 9 a.m. in the morning and have professional development done to you in the area of technology. Or you could just, go to iTunes or your podcast, um, you know, utility of choice, I suppose, um, and actually look for the Penn State Mac admins iTunes U feed. They actually have tons and tons of videos and different things like that. And in this, you know, point of the year where, you know, some schools are considering either getting iPads or deploying uh, max to their teachers and things like that. I wanted to point you guys that way. Um, there's a new conference coming up soon and they'll be posting their stuff about a month or so after the conference um, is held so that you can have all the professional development to your heart's content. Woohoo! As, <laughs> as exciting as you made that sound, Brian, with your... <laughs> Very exciting voice this late in the evening out on the East oh, Coast. I'll, I'll get the I'll get the hate mail of "Are you kidding me? That is so nerdy." But there will be one. <laughs> there will be one person in in the pitch black darkness that is holding their little lighter, and they'll say, "Mr. Berger, that was the most fantastic thing. It helped me get the devices at my school set up properly because, you know, as we've heard from you." they will need to help their IT team. Yeah, it's getting deep. Hey, Brian, shut your face. <laughs> so we hope to see you all next week with the great guest, Peggy George. In the meantime, it is the end of the year. Teachers, keep doing what you're doing. Teaching is the profession that teaches all other professions from an unknown author. How can they reach us? You get to talk again for five seconds. Make it count, Mr. Berger. Five seconds. Website, elementopi.com slash teacher at the moment and soon to be changed. Twitter, element OP slash tightwad teacher, at Bruger, at Christy underscore Vincent, at Mark Cockrell, Facebook.com slash element OP, phone 559 I am OP. Good night, everyone. Thank you so much.